you back you've been introduced you got your theme music how you doing <laughs> like you get all the applause little things there I, yeah uh skype anyway that's great was I, doctor was i unwise to take the jab okay so many times <laughs> three or four but good yeah good point and you know this uh you know i do have a, i do have a uh, essay out back whenever that was, a year ago, more than a year ago, but Imago Dei Immunity. And it's on uh, lourockwell.com. You can find it on dealsaver.org. Okay. Dealsaver.org. You can find all my stuff out there, and it's enough to incriminate me very badly. But it's the past 30 years, believe it or not, of writing, you know, on Catholic subjects. And there, uh, there is some, uh, there's definitely some, uh, there's definitely continuity there because as, as Catholics, and as, as, as Christian, authentic Christians, we continue to grow in our faith and develop, but it's always a deeper and deeper commitment, less and less compromise. And so, you know, you've been you know, talking very eloquently and clearly about this so, uh, vaccination. And I like to see, I'd like to see you get a flag out. Here's, here's something for you, Michael, because how about a flag says, don't shed on me with a little, <laughs> with a little hypodermic down there, you know. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Don't shout at me, bro. But and and uh, but you know, it's really about there is a virus, and we don't want to get too distracted by all these shenanigans because there's a deeper virus in this country, and it's a virus that is essentially antichristic. It comes under the color of PCism, which is really an anti-Christianity, right? Because you're virtuous, but you're going to take the jab. You're virtuous because you're inclusive. You're virtuous because you're pro sodomite or what have you and this is anti-christianity it's a twisting of our holy faith and this is where we are in this anti-christic age and you get it from, it's in the air we breathe and specifically for us right now to make it really grassroots and immediate for all of us and we can all relate to this you want to relate to it, i can relate to it all everybody else can relate to it it's anti not only anti-christic it's anti-family specifically because that's the real proof of the pudding you can say you know you, you can claim lord lord you know and you can but faith without works is dead and the works is this the first three commandments are to to love and honor god the fourth one is love and honor your parents and that's and these are the positive commandments these are positive that means if you do not do it you sin. If you do not do it, you sin. And yes, fourth, it is family. So if you're not doing the fourth, I guarantee you, you will stop doing the first, second, third. And then you will start doing the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth, and tenth. So this is the practicality of it, love and honor your family. So all of us know what that means. We know what it is in our families. And right, everybody out there, I guarantee every single person listening 
can witness to transgressions against that fourth commandment and trying to be trying to you know throw in that mother in the heart of the home and trying to be that father and asserting your absolute right to do your duty to God which is to take full responsibility and accountability for that family for their souls and for their material well-being as well i.e. that means I will decide what's best for my family. I will decide, and if and when, when I, I, I have to make a calculated decision, prudent decision, when I can expose them to this or that or the other thing. There is disease out there. You know, I'm sure one that will, if, if, if there's a sickness going around in my family, I won't go to mass to expose other people. No. No, but, but Catholics do. I guarantee you they go because, oh, I have to go to mass. Or the bishop hasn't given me permission not to go to mass. This is this is infantilism, because you have to make the decision. But we all know there's rebellion within the ranks of the family. Be it now, unfortunately, a lot of people, their, their own wives, aren't going to submit to that authority of their father, because him claiming to be that priest, prophet, and king, it is his charism. It doesn't mean he's the smartest one and, and or the holiest one, or necessarily even the strongest one. But he's. He's the one that is going to have the carriage to lead that holy that family, just like St. Joseph led the Holy Family. And you experience rebellion. We do, within our own wives or, you know, our own children. But it's it's even it's in every it's in the airy breed, because it's not even outside the church, it's not even the secular authorities that find that father as public enemy number one. It's within the ranks of the Holy Church itself, and I'd like to expl- explicate that a little bit because we all know the state is satanic. All right, that's that's a given. But, well, but we uh, also uh, have uh, just a, 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 a quick point of clarification there. Unfortunately, everyone does not know that the state is satanic. <laughs> Unfortunately, we live in a world where, and I was talking about this earlier where we think that if we go, uh, your state of Montana is a late admission or an admissee, admittee into the union, right? Um, you would not lose any of your characters. I think, I think you would get more of it if Montana decided, you know what, we gave you guys 130 years. We don't, we don't like the results anymore. We're, gonna, we're out. We're going to quit. Absolutely. Well, the mindset, Dr. Dillsaver, is that we've lost We've now lost our American freedoms. You see, the, this, this, this fundamental misunderstanding of what a sovereign entity is and where the ultimate sovereignty lies, I don't need a constitution to have rights. Amen. Okay? That's right. Exactly. Um, I didn't even need, the English did not need the Magna Carta, the great charter at Runnymede, they got it because the king was a criminal. <laughs> he was a homicidal lunatic. Uh, they got it, but they didn't need it. And he even says in the Magna Carta, you know, I read it, part of, a, part of the Magna Carta, to our audience at UponTheseRocks.co to the Congress. People were shocked. They came up to me afterwards. Hey, king, dude, I did not know that it was in there. It says in the opening statements of the Magna Carta, it goes, God has granted us our rights as Englishmen and as Christians. This, sure. I don't need King, we don't need King John to sign off on them. We have yeah. them whether he does or not. This is yes. something that's got to be understood by people because if you understand that, and that's a part of crucial 
crucial Christianity in the book. If you understand that, then whoever you are allied with, politically speaking, kind of becomes a moot point. That's right. Exactly right. You're exactly right, Mike. That is the key. We have to understand this very deeply. As I say, and I, and I continue to say, like, in crucial Christianity, you must assert your absolute right to do your duty to God, to follow natural law, divine law, divine inspiration. And that, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you, you know, we know, again, we all know how family members, we try to do that, and there's going to be rebellion. It's in, the, it's in the air we breathe. But these fathers, as the leaders, are going to be, again, public enemy number one. And it hurts, I tell you, it hurts. And you're going to be fighting, and you're going to be undermining. You know exactly you know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about. Everybody out there knows what I'm talking about. What do you do when your wife doesn't want to follow you, when your children don't want to follow you? That is crucifixion. That is, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But you, but you soldier on anyway for love of God and for love of that family. You must do that. And this is where we are right now. So I'm calling you men to have courage and be willing to undergo annihilation for love of faith and family. Now, let me give you an example, though, of the pushback we get. And I'm going to give you one in vivo, if you will. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about my own experiences. I've been doing this for, again, you know, 30 you know, years. And I get pushback even within the ranks of conservative and traditional Catholicism. As, as a matter of fact, just recently, I, I was invited to the Chesterton Society out in Spokane, Washington. It's Spokane, not Spokane. Okay, so Spokane, <laughs> Washington, and um, I was invited out there just to speak. This group is a, a big a group of uh, law traditional Catholics out there and, and, and uh, conservatives. Uh, you know, we have all, all, all types of traditional Catholics out there, from St. Constance to the Society of Pius X, Fraternity of St. Peter, um, and, uh, and Gonzaga professors. Gonzaga, I'm sorry. I see I mispronounced that. Gonzaga. <laughs> And by the and, way, most people don't know name for a canonized saint, Saint Aloysius Gonzaga. That's right. That's right. So it's the, the Zags, and uh, and so, but just at the last moment, I was disinvited because they don't want to have controversy. So, oh, who was it from? Was it, it could have been from the Society of Pius X. It could have been from the Church of Saint Peter. Those priests. This is it's, here's here's in vivo. Those priests. I've become persona non grata with these priests. Why? Because I assert the authority of the family. I say it's about you serving the family. It's about those fathers leading and you helping him and you, you ministering to him so he can lead. And that is a threat to their power. That's clericalism. That's very clearly explicated in that book. And I will tell you that. And I, and I can tell you numerous stories throughout, not just about my own life. When I first found out about this was when I was working with Couples, marital couples that came to me for marital therapy and also at the same time maybe were having pastoral counseling by Society of Pius X priests or Fraternity of St. Peter priests. And what I found out was that these priests would time and time again align with the woman. And even to the point, and this is from the Society of Pius X, right? Oh, the so traditionalist. They would say just because the woman, you know, the, the, the husband was a jerk. Okay, well, you know, that goes without saying, right? But <laughs> we all are. But that was enough, believe it or not. This is shocking. This should shock everybody who's listening. They would advise separation because that father, for him to assert his rights, was a threat to their being the alpha male. And, and these priests 
will feel threatened by three marks of manhood. I had a society of attorney St. Peter priest. This was one of these guys there, and this was out in uh, Coeur d'Alene, you know, with a high and tight, like he's some Marine, Corps, Marine recon, but actually he was only in the Coast Guard, you know, which, you know, and which was you know, their, their big thing was to, you know, interdict uh, cannabis from coming onto our shores. But, uh, you know, so he would say, he, he would tell people, no, I don't like this book. He doesn't talk about the priest enough. See, it's and, and I'll tell you this. This is a big problem in traditional Catholic circles. I think your audience needs to hear it. I'm, you know, I'm not afraid of being controversial. I know you aren't either. But, you know, we're not here as a mutual admiration society. Um, and, and, you know, and, of course, we want to be controversial. We want to talk about these issues because this is where it comes down to this root understanding that, yes, if you have inalienable rights from God, to do your duty, your, to do so your absolute rights to do your duty to God. And that means it is in the family, and it's not the priest that has that, to lead that. It's, it's not the wives that have it. It's the father, just like St. Joseph leading the Holy Family. So we have to assert that. And you will get pushback from every level, from every aspect, and within Holy Mother Church herself. But it is your absolute Catholic right, your Christian duty to assert that. But if you're, and if you start doing it, Hang on, because I guarantee you, don't look for victory. Don't look for applause. You're not going to be seen as a knight in shining armor, as I said way back when in our, our silvery conference. You're going to be seen as a criminal. You will be castigated. You will be rejected. But soldier on. And if I may reference uh, a knight in shining armor, Mother Teresa. <laughs> she said, it's not if you're successful, it's if you're faithful. Is it fair to say, though, just to clarify, because speaking of pushback <laughs> and controversy, um, is it fair to say, though, the experience that you cite with the FSSP priest and the SSPX, that that is your own individual personal? Because I know some FSSP and SSPX no. priests, and I've never heard uh, that right. from, from the ones that I know. Right, right. No, no, no. I don't want people to think that this is the church freaking right. militant here and, no, no, and, and no, that no, no, Dill no. Saver and Church are on a campaign against no, no, the SSPX no. because we're not. Right. Well, listen, I know, but, but the thing, but the truth of the matter is this is that the, no, this is not my personal experiences. I said this is before I have worked throughout the church. I worked with the Saint Peter. Oh, it's just before. Okay, gotcha. I would, I, this is throughout my whole entire time. I worked with the Fraternity of St. Peter. I've given retreats to their priests. I've worked in their seminaries. In fact, my standards against same-sex attraction was something that was not accepted by the Fraternity of St. Peter. I'll tell you that right now. That's the fact of the matter. That's a clinical fact. Okay? And, and, and so I've spoken out against this. And this is within, it's in the structure of traditionalism. And it comes from Society of Pius X. All the, everything that's good in the fraternity of St. Peter is really comes from Society of Pius X. And I agree, it's not about sexual scandals because Archbishop of Feb was very strong against any sort of of that of, of, of emasculate behavior amongst his priests. He, you know, they were very dead set against homosexuality. In fact, he was so dead set against it, he wouldn't even let his priests wear berettas because he thought it was too foppish. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they're not, they're against the, all the lace and smells and all that. So he was very on guard against that. So praise God, that's good. That's not one of their problems. I mean, they're not perfect in that regard. Their problem is clericalism. And 
as if you want to know why the Society of Pius X and the Fraternity of St. Peter exists, it is for the priest. It is to perfect the priest. And that's a quote. Now, I will tell you something. The priest is perfect. The priest is our Lord Jesus Christ. He is perfect. So that means then that it's about the perfection of the man who's a priest. It's about them. Now, that's a problem, and it is deeply rooted. Now, however, and I'm going to say this. Let me get more controversy for you. So it's not Pope Francis is right. But he's right about one thing. He has a sense that there's a problem with traditionalism, a fair cynicalism, and judgmentalism. It's true. But he's wrong in the same way that they're wrong. Because it's not about the mass. It's not the mass is fine. Why is he attacking the mass? It's the same thing at Vatican II. There was a problem in Catholicism in the 50s and the 40s and the 30s. It led all this crud that came up, right? How is the church supporting Mussolini or Hitler or whoever else they supported? Because Catholicism failed. And the reason was, though, it wasn't because of the mass. But the 50s was all about the mass. And Vatican II was all about the mass. The mass is fine. It's about us living the Holy Mass out and embracing the cross and becoming militant. It was a clericalism that was, was carried on, continued, continued, continued. No, no, I, uh, we're all aware, well, you should be aware of the clericalism. Uh, Dr. G.C. Dilsaver is on the uh, Dude Maker Skype line here with us for another episode of Crucial Christianity. Uh, I'm sure you're out there. Here's feathers. These are feathers. He's ruffling feathers today. Uh, <laughs> but you shouldn't be because someone in our chat room says this is a woman who said, I have actually experienced this with SSPX priests where they think they have the authority to rule over the father of the family and decisions that should be made by the head of the family, the father. Again, please do not misunderstand. Uh, I don't think he's doing it. I certainly am not doing it. There's no one that's going at, because I know what this will be told, who's going after the FSSP or the SSPX. But if I can just use my... Uh, broadcasting skills to kind of exp uh, uh, flesh out what you just said. To mitigate what I'm saying. Yeah, well, no, no. <laughs> well, you're, uh, 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 I, uh, I do this a lot more often than you. Um, and I heard exactly what you're saying. Uh, and I will tell you yesterday that our diocesan priest, Father Damien, said pretty much exactly what you said. He said, he, he said yesterday, he goes, I went Friday and I did some charity work for another priest whose church was destroyed during Ida. He had six feet or eight feet of mud water in his church. Not just water, mud. And when it left, it left a foot of mud. And so he went to go help the, uh, the priest dig out. And he said, <clears throat> and a couple of people went with him. He said, my point is not to brag that I went and did this. My point is to encourage you. We all love to come to the mass, whether we have it here, whether we get banished and we have to have it in the field. That's not our identity as Christians and Catholics. Our identity is what we do when we leave here. Amen. That's your idea. And he said that. And I'm sitting here listening, just nodding my head going, because he goes, it's not all about the mass, which many, almost your, your rat trad down to his fingernail bone thinks it's just the mass. They can take the mass from us. They cannot take the faith from us. They can't take our practice of it from us in our house. And with on your neighbors, how do you think martyrs are made? Very few martyrs, and there are some, very few martyrs are made while giving, while uh, conducting mass. Right. Most martyrs are made outside of what the building you call That's right. a church. 
And then, and, and, and Mike, so that's all explicated absolutely clearly in crucial Christianity, as you well know. And we talk about this. We even talk about those communities that didn't have the mass, you know, and they that, that were, were and they're, they're, the laity would baptize them. These, these could be some American Indians, either the Nagasaki Catholics. And these produced martyrs for the faith. Without the mass, the, they would baptize their children, they would catechize them, because God will suffice. The mass is a gift. And I'm going to say this, this is in the book as well, I say, and we're all ruffle feathers because that's what we have to do, so don't be like the Chesterton Society in Spokane that doesn't want to have controversy. I mean, poor, you know, GK is rolling over his grave, you know, <laughs> and, and when he rolls over, man, it's a minor earthquake, okay? So, but with the... You know what's ironic about that, Quick? Chesterton debated the demon, the Satanist. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, George Bernard Shaw. And others. Chesterton wrote him letters. He went, uh, uh, the American secularist, H.L. Mencken. I mean, Chesterton didn't run from the controversy. He said, oh, you think that about this? Okay. And he mocked them. This, this is how you get under their skin. You mock the person that's thrown in with the devil. Dude, they don't like it. They get pissed. Yeah, yeah, they're afraid of the truth. And I tell you what, and, and again, I have a lot, again, I persona non grata in society, the fraternity here. But none of them, because I hear it through the grapevine, what they say. But then they say, okay, so what did Dr. Dillsaver say? What is it that he's, where's the heresy he's speaking? What is he doing that's wrong? They don't have an answer for it. And the only real answer is, well, he's claiming too much authority. And I say, what? The authority of truth? The authority of truth trumps everything in the holy Catholic faith. Truth is the ultimate authority and informed Catholic conscience. So they can't debate me. That's why they don't do it. They don't have a leg to stand on. All they can do is attack ad hominem or whatever else, or just, just be smirched and think, oh, whatever Father says, I'll, I'll listen to it. So, no, that's right. We can have the mass. Now, here's, here's something to another controversial subject. And I mentioned last couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, whatever it was, but that we have to take St. Aristotle off the calendar. And that's because that same reason you said earlier, we do not get our rights from the state. That was Aristotelianism, and we have to reject that now. We have to purify our holy faith. We get it not from kings, not from the political, social, political order. We get it from our inalienable rights as, as men made in God's image, and even more so as Christians baptized who have the indwelling of Christ himself. We have to follow that, and this is so important. So a lot of ways the Protestants are right. When they, when, they, when they say Catholics, it's all about them going to Mass. You know, it's all about this. What's it mean to be Catholic? Well, I go to Mass. No, you go to Mass so you can be Catholic. In fact, the Mass is not essential to the faith. It's not. You don't have to go to Mass to be saved. And I know we talk about John 6 and, and you know, eat my flesh and drink my blood. It can't be actual physical communion because always Mass, eating his flesh and drinking his blood, is always always, always referred back to the crucifixion. And if you read Trent, and I, I explicate this in my book, um, Crucial Christianity, but people see, oh, the Mass is not essential. Oh, Mass is always... And then I just, what do I quote? I quote Trent. I quote it, and people, I've had people read it and go, where did you get this from? You know, this is some kind of, oh, oh, oh it's Trent. <laughs> so <laughs> this is, but after Trent, it became all about the Mass, all about the priest, that means. Why? Well, it was, a, it was a reaction to the Protestant Reformation, obviously, the rejection of the Holy Mass, rejecting the priesthood. Now, the Holy Mass and the priesthood 
our, our wonderful, beautiful gifts as Catholics, what a gift. But it's a gift. It's not essential. It was something our Lord gave to us. He squandered himself and made himself like, you know, like candy. And this is, this is that, that's a quote from, from a traditional priest. Um, we don't pass the sacraments out like candy. Oh, yes, you do. Yes, you do. Our Lord Jesus Christ allowed that. And it's a pure gift to us, to nurture us, and, but it's not essential. And, I, and I'll tell you, in, in my own life, you know, and I, I have, I, I, when I have loved ones that are dying, I go out of my way to get a priest out there, you know, and, and to be there because, you know, the demons are there. We need the presence, not of the priest, the man. Does he say, well, what can I do? I already gave him last right. Say, no, it's not you. You can't do anything. It's the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ, the high priest, who will banish those, those demons. We need all the enforcement we can get. So we're thankful for these gifts. I have a sacramental confession. Well, praise God. Because, yes, you can have forgiveness of the most grievous mortal sin without sacramental confession. Mm. Peter did when he betrayed our Lord Jesus Christ. He had perfect contrition. When he died, and he was forgiven, because you never hear a word about him being forgiven. Jesus never says, never forgives him. He was forgiven for perfect contrition. However, you know, God forbid, I have to depend on my perfect contrition, which means no affection for sin. But we have sacramental confession that remits mortal sin with even imperfect contrition. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. It's a gift. But priesthood and the mass are not essential to the holy faith. And this is important. But they are the greatest gift we have. And this is, and I do, again, I can, this is ruffling feathers, I guarantee you. But read the book. I explicate it. In the early church, they preached the gospel. You converted. You accepted the faith. You were baptized. And then, and only then, did they admit you in to the mysteries. It was an additional, like, oh, Lord, thank you so much. I have this to nourish me. I have your sacraments to nourish me. I have the mass to nourish me. I have the Eucharist to nourish me. I have these priests to minister unto me. But after, after Trent, and it began even before that, before that, it became all about the Pope, who, who emasculated Catholic manhood, took over the role of Catholic manhood, replaced Charlemagne with the papacy. And after Trent, it became all about the mass and all about the priest. And that's why we had a top-heavy Christendom that collapsed overnight almost. And we now, that's why we're talking about this new Christendom based on informed Catholic conscience, grassroots, with the Pope and the priest and the mass and the sacraments and everything ordered towards strengthening one vocation. Do you okay. have a vocation, Mike? Do you, Mike, do you have a vocation? No. People say, do you have a vocation? I do you have say, a vocation. Right. And people, people say, no, you know, I don't know. I'm just lazy. I'm just lazy scum, right? No. <laughs> you know, you do. It's all about the vocation of the baptism, of holiness. So every other vocation is ordered toward that. Not about becoming a priest, not about becoming a nun or a monk. It's about holiness. All right. All right. Uh, Dr. G.C. Dilsaver on the Dude Maker Skype line. All right. Uh, 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 pretend your seat is getting hot because you're on a hot seat now. You're now. Are you trying to tell the audience that because this is what they're taking from you? So you need to clarify. If this is not the point. Are you saying that attending, assisting at the holy sacrifice of the mass is not important to Catholicism? Did I say that? Uh, well, that's. <laughs> I what can hear, I, I can I hear my it? producer in the other room going like, "Hell yes, he said that." <laughs> yeah. What I, what I say, Mike? Mike, you, you do this all the time. What I say? What I say? Well, you said it's not, uh, I don't know what. I, uh, not essential. Central, not essential. 
Now, okay. No, why? Did I say it's not important? Let me tell you something. If you're walking the walk, if you're truly walking the walk, you're being crucified, okay? You know, I mean, I'm at, Ma- I'm at Mass yesterday, and I, w- and I have it here even at, a, at, the, at the farm here, Holy Cross Farm. We have a chapel and everything else, okay? So when I have priests coming through and they're on retreat or whatever else, you know, every, you know, we have that holy sacrifice of the Mass right here. Because when you're walking the walk, when you're under crucifixion, I mean, you just go to Mass, and you, you're there, and you're broken, and you say, yes, Lord Jesus Christ, please, thank you, Lord. But I said it's not essential, because, again, it can't be essential, because the fact of the matter is we have people dying for the Holy Faith without the Mass. But we yearn for it. We pine for it. We thirst for it. We thank our Lord Jesus Christ for that gift. It makes you appreciate it even more, because it was pure gift. It makes you appreciate it, the Lord did not have to do that. He did not have to make himself available in the Blessed Sacrament. But he did. Okay, so uh, your point then is is <clears throat> if I can be so bold, this is this is this is his point. I agree. I actually heard a Novus Ordo priest about 12, 15 years ago. I don't. I, I, I'm pretty sure it was in Madisonville. Uh, this guy was as far away from I, he, when when he left. He probably went and did a clown mass. But he actually, in his homily, he actually said. Pretty much what you just said and what I think and what you think and what I think we agree on, and that is that he said the term father. Why do you call a priest father? Well, he is in the spiritual world and in the world of a Catholic's life. He is in the spiritual world as a dispenser of the sacraments. He is the same as the father is in the house. And he even said, he said, I can't be the father of your house. I am the father of this congregation for spiritual needs. I am not the parent replacement. I am not the fraternus, or the paternus, rather, uh, the patria. I am not the patria of your house. You are, men, you are. Is that what, that? that's what you're saying. Well, well, exactly right. And let me let's let's go back though to and, and the fact is that we have to understand that I want to go back to this whole point here. And you read the book, and this is where I will absolutely challenge anybody, and and I would love to. I'll, I will debate anybody. Have anybody come on and let's let's talk it out, because read the book and you show me where that's wrong. I say, why do I say that? It's not all about the mass because that that's a, that is a heresy. It's not all about the mass. It's all about Christ crucified, and then because the mass itself is all about Christ crucified. That's the <laughs> whole point. And so, and what we need to do it's and it's but but when it's all about the mass, then you compartmentalize the faith, and that's what happened. You know, I'm a good. Ask people, what's it mean to be Catholic? Why well, go to mass? You know, and it's it's all about the priest. No, that's not what it means to be Catholic. It means to be Catholic is that you preach Christ crucified. And what is specifically Catholic, what is specifically Christian, is Christ crucified in the fact that we become one with him in our self-abnegation, in our humiliation and sorrow. And that is the Mass is there to nourish us. It's a a gift. It's a squandering of our Lord that wasn't necessary for him to do that. He didn't have to. You notice that. In the Creed, you don't profess the Mass. You don't profess any of that. Our Lord didn't talk I'd about say, it. Yeah, that's an interesting point there. But during a part of the Mass, though, the priest does, in the traditional way, actually does in the, the Novus Ordo, too, in the New Rite, the priest does turn and say, Arachi Fratris. 
pray with me, brothers. That's right. That's right. When we say we go to now, this may be inside baseball to a lot of Protestants, but I bet some of you are going like, I didn't know any of this. This is interesting stuff here. So when the priest turns to us and says, Oratra Fratris, pray with me, my brothers, right? Pray with me, brothers. You're assisting at that point in the sacrifice of the mass. So if he if he's not there and you don't and you can't get it like many people didn't during the corona do, you can get what's called spiritual uh, uh, a spiritual communion. You uh, you do the best. You pray with your family. You keep the Sabbath holy. What, right. what David Simpson told me, our mutual friend David, was like Mike. We we can't get the mass if he says we can't have it. Then we still do exactly what we fulfill our Sunday obligation by doing all that we can do to keep that day holy. Pray the rosary right. as a family. Have a you know a big have a meal and give thanks. Um, uh, uh, maybe we uh, do some readings together that are from the missal for that day. And ultimately, you embrace the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ 24-7. Because you're right, Michael, it's not within the chapel when we go to those dark times of self-abnegation. We go to those times when we feel, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It's in the intimacy of the home. It's in the darkness of that home. You know as well as I do. That's where it is. And that's what it's all ordered toward. It's not ordered toward the oratory of the chapel. It's ordered toward that home and the heart of the believer in that home where they embrace Christ crucified. So we thank God for those gifts. We thank God, for, but those gifts exist for us as baptized Christians to nourish us. The priest exists, exists only to minister unto the faithful. Now, that means... Now, let's apply this to our current political and legal conundrum. Father Biden is basically uh, intervening or inter, uh, interceding <clears throat> upon his own authority to command or to, uh, to imply that all the fathers of all the households out there that have chosen to not vaccinate themselves, quote, vaccinate, or their children and their wives are wrong. Right. But, but, but that's, but that's, but okay. And I, I want to get a little more universal in that because it's, not, it's about the whole state doing that. We've yes. all been castrated by the state. Yes. No, I agree. I agree. And, 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 but, and I'm, we know, so that's the fact of the matter. So I say, if you haven't rejected that state yet, you're not being Christian, period. And I, I'm, you know, so you go to, you know, some of these masses, you know, they'll be praying, you know, for our leaders or they, or, Quite frankly, even praying for our troops so they're safe. What really? So so that they can fulfill their mission. I'm not going to pray for that. How can I do that? That means that I want you know them to be killing Afghani's. You know, no, we're unjust aggressors. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Reject that state. Reject this whole idea of Catholicism in America as one. They're irreconcilably divided. So get that get that flag out of the sanctuary, by the way, too. But secondly, understand that always well. bothers me. We <laughs> sound like oh. You'll see the American flag, and then maybe they'll throw in a papal flag underneath. They're like, no! <laughs> Take yeah. the flag stand down. If you're going to have one, put the Korean de Sacra Cora, for heaven's sake. <laughs> I know. Or some people might want to put the stars the bars in there. Who knows? But you listen. You know. <laughs> hey, it's got a cross on it. It's got the St. Yeah, Andrew's yeah, cross. Right. That's exactly right. <laughs> so, so, but, you know, but then again, but again, and, and so, but more to the point, again, it's almost like to me, it's, it's like I've said before, and as I've said from the beginning, I told you, well, you know, I'm glad we have guys like Massey and whoever else that, uh, or Nino, 
you know, that are that are that are constitutionalists. But the Constitution's a dead letter. Okay, so we so we it, it's it's all it's, it's a rabbit hole there. It's almost it's, it's but you know you can have some point of contact there, and maybe we can reestablish some of those principles on the local level. But it's really a dead letter nationally. So it's 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 almost like it, it, we're fighting we're tilting at windmills. But the point of the matter is, it's in the church herself. That's what I'm referring to. Is that this idea the same thing? The, so I have been, I have, and these are quotes, and I'll quote these to you. Now, it, it is from secondary sources, but they never tell me face to face because they know our tail in the shreds. But I've had priests and pastors tell fathers, and they, they come running to me <laughs> complaining. Fathers, I'm the head of your family. I'm the head of your family. And this is from the Society of Pius and, and, and the Fraternity of St. Peter and the Institute of Christ the King. I'm responsible for your family's soul. I am. I said, no, you're not. That is the same thing that Biden's doing or whoever's doing it. It's the same mentality. Yep. And so we as Catholics have to say, no, you're not. And I guarantee you something, Mike, if these men assert their authority, I say the first battle you got to fight is, of course, in your home, in your heart first, then in your home. Second, thirdly, in your parish. Because once you start asserting that authority, once you try to get these men to take authority, once you start talking to other men about being Catholic, they'll say, no, you'll, you will get in trouble with your priest and your pastor. So I'm saying... Exert that authority. Be certain of it. It's your role to advance the social political agenda. And as we talk about in crucial Christianity, it's not about the parish. It's not the parish is not the locus of our faith. It's the home. The parish exists to nourish the faithful so they can live it out in their home. Everything's been turned topsy-turvy in the church, and that's why Christendom 1 collapsed, and that's why a new Christendom is going to be grassroots, familial-based. And we have to get these priests and popes and bishops to understand you're there to minister unto the faithful period, unto that primary vocation which you all have, from, from the lowest lady to the, to the pope himself, to grow in holiness. That's what it's all about. And we have our absolute right to follow Holy Mother Church. The papacy is less important than ever as I explicate very much in the book, less important than ever in this day and age of the mass media personality cults, because doctrine has been explicated. The deposit of faith has been excavated. And now we have it. We can all read it right there in black and white. It's not rocket science, what it means to be Catholic. I don't need to find out what the Pope just tweeted. And again, the whole problem is, with Christianity, I'm not talking about, oh, this sounds like liberalism. Oh, you're like a liberal. No, guess what? It's going deeper into the spirit of our holy faith. It goes deeper into crucial Christianity. It's radical. It is to the root, which is the cross of Christ. And I say go beyond traditionalism, deeper, deeper, deeper still. That's what we must do. No, it's not about having more priests in the traditional mass. There are more priests in the traditional mass in the 1950s than ever in the history of the world. More vocations. And what happened? What happened? Dystopia. That's what happened. So it's about living it out in your holy faith. I've talked to people. You say, is this just Dr. Gilstrap's experience? I've talked to people all over the world. I talk to, I, I work with people in therapy. I've talked to guys growing up in Catholic Ireland in the late 60s and 70s. And it was all so Catholic externally. More people going to masses, more vocations. And, you know, but what? It was rotting. It was rotting mm -hmm. on the domestic familial level. It was rotting. And I've had firsthand experiences. I know what it's like to talk to people growing up in the 50s. Faithful Catholics that were schizophrenic, one leg in the world, one leg out of it. I've seen the failures there. It's, again, read the book, Crucial Christianity. I will, anybody here, and I will debate anybody on this, not because I'm the smartest guy in the world, you know, you know, but because it's 
goes back to essentials. There's nothing new there. There's nothing innovative there. It goes back to the root essential causes. Crucial again. What's crucial mean? Of vital importance and cross-conformed. These are the essential truths <laughs> of the faith. So I'm standing on rock-solid Catholic principles. And sometimes the accidentals obfuscate. Accidentals that may have helped the church in the past, but now obfuscate these essential truths. All this past, you know, the monarchy and all of this and all these royalists, well, that all obfuscates the truth. I don't care about the Habsburg or Louis or whoever else. I care about the monarchy of the family. That's God-ordained. Nothing else is. Now, that is a crucial Christianity point. With Dr. G.C. Dillsaver, author of Crucial Christianity, I think we have a couple of copies left in the Founders Trading Post. Folks, if you're not intrigued by this book now, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, get yourself a copy. You need to send me another box. Uh, also the author of Three Marks of Manhood. Now, yesterday was the feast. Again, if you're a Protestant evangelical, this conversation should be very uh, interesting to you because you're here. You're probably hearing some things that you may have heard from your Baptist minister. I mean, it may come in the form of fire and brimstone, but I'll bet you're some evangelicals. Um, uh, you know, and as other Catholics have said, sometimes we should turn to our Protestant brothers and go, "Thank you." for your devotion to Genesis. Thank you, brother. I mean, in that sense, truly, they defended it when many Catholics went, hey, we're Vatican II, it's normal, it's normal. No, it's not. No, it's not, and Humana Generis does not say that either. You're wrong. They lied to you when they told you that. But let's take yesterday, September the 12th. Today is September the 13th. Uh, we have Father Biden now, the state, basically claiming that it has some sort of authority over all of us and over our households, right? In other words, I can deprive dads across the United States of this income that they get to support their family if they don't do what I say. That, to me, is an act of war. The church Absolutely. says the church says one of the sins that cry out to heaven for vengeance is what? Deprive, depriving a man of a just wage, right? Something that he's earned. If you're telling me if Rusty and Dusoni and his son cannot go to that place that he wrote his, our AG a letter about and cannot earn the living that they expect to and that previously they had, uh, they, they, they had the right to use their free will to, this to me is an act of war. Now let's talk about what happened yesterday in history. And you said holy family. <clears throat> you said family. Yesterday was the celebration, the feast the holy name of Mary. And if you don't know this, this is one of the five blasphemies. Um, uh, and it's the last of the five blasphemies. So it's the worst. And the, the, the for those that uh, blaspheme her holy name and like this, right? Uh, what happened yesterday in 1683? A Polak named King Jan Sobieski the third, um, got wind that 300,000 Mohammedans had surrounded the imperial city of Vienna and that they were going to take the city and after they killed King Leopold, sodomized his wife and his daughter and raped all the women in there, they were going to make their march then to the south and they would take Rome, right? <clears throat> They're to march through Christendom. Sobieski, hearing word of this, said, I'm going to raise an army, raised an army, called all of his soldiers, 
Meet me at the shrine of Our Lady of Shestahoa on the Assumption. They met, they assisted at Mass, and then the king, Sobieski, got up and said, we're going to Vienna, boys. Saddle up. <laughs> if you need to confess, confess now. We're going to Vienna. Uh, Sobieski then, as basically the putative father of the Polacks and the Lithuanians, led this army, and before they fought on what would become the Feast of our uh, the Holy Name of Mary, he gave, he, he asked her for intercession. So as the father of Poland, as a father, he called upon the Holy Mother, basically then rode in with the Holy Family and was victorious. He had 70,000 men. Uh, the uh, Saracen commander had 300,000. He was severely outnumbered, uh, but he had Our Lady and the Holy Family on his side, ran them back to Turkey, okay? Amen. We all know the story. And by the by, that began the end of the Ottoman Empire. That's the, that's the, the, that is the, uh, the apogee of the Ottoman Empire. It's all downhill from there. Um, apply some crucial Christianity to that. Well, absolutely, and you know this—that's that's a, that's a very good point. Of course, it was that that lay movement. It's a it's a lay competency to bring about Christendom. That's a social political competency of the laity of the Catholic fathers to be the kings. We're the heads of the church in that regard. And again, what else do we need? We need the pope to. We don't need the pope to tell us anything about doctrine. It's all been done. I don't need to hear him. We have to say about vaccines or about about borders or anything else. That that I can care less what he thinks. The church has explicated what doctrine is. He's there. He's standing there. Just look pretty and pray for us. Uh, that's why I wish Benedict, you know, so what? You can't get around anymore. That's fine. Just sit there. You know, we'll come up and we'll kiss your slipper and be done with it. So, but it's less important than ever. You don't have to be a personality cult. But I want to say one thing is that just wages, you went to that. But this goes way back because the just wage has already been destroyed mm. because of what? the two-income family. That was mandated, and that destroyed the family. And that's feminism. That happened way back when. Because a just wage means one income. A just wage that one man can make an income for his family and provide for them adequately. That's just. So we haven't had a just wage in this country for decades. So, again, let us you know understand that. Let us understand how satanic and evil the state is. Please, we must. That's a given. But I'm going to go back then too, again to the fact, um, and and let me say that let me go back to our blessed mother. We'll go to that in a minute. But the bishops themselves, during this lockdown, these are the conservative, the good bishops. They're saying, okay, well you know what? I'm going to give you a dispensation after going to mass. If you're 70 and older, you have a dispensation. What? What? Who who are you to say that? We'll decide if we feel that we can go to mass or not. If I'm going to risk, I'm not going to listen to you to tell me what the risks are of getting a virus or anything else. I decided for my family. Before, I mean, I, 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 I didn't go to mass the Sunday before all this stuff really came down. So I didn't know what this whole thing was going on. I don't want my kids to get sick, you know. But then, you know, as I learned about it, then I would go back. To, I went back to mass on my own. I didn't listen wait for the bishop to tell me. So you have a 69-year-old going, oh, the bishop didn't give me dispensation, so I have to go to mass. That's how Catholics are. They're infantile. And you're right, Protestants. That's not Christian. This is not Catholic. 
we, it's not Christian, but it's not Catholic. We don't, the Pope himself is subject to Holy Mother Church. True. Just like you and I are. He is not. And, the, and the, it's not about the priest. It's not about that. And you're right. And it's not about, oh, Catholics, they have to go to Mass. They're going to sacrifice Jesus over and over and over again. Well, that's a Catholic mentality. It is about Christ crucified. And that's sufficient. That crucifixion in and of itself is sufficient. That's why the Mass is infinitely sufficient, because it derives from the, the crucifixion was infinitely sufficient. So we've fallen into this false mentality that's not Catholic. And I say we have to go deeper and deeper and deeper into our holy faith. But when a, when a bishop tells you when and when you can't go to Mass because of sickness, he's usurping your authority as parents to the sermon on the grassroots level, what's best for my family. Yeah, it's a, uh, it, uh, it's demonstrably awful. All right, uh, we're, we're nearing the because, end here. Go ahead. Because I say something about the, about the Blessed Mother and about the cross. Now, those men weren't out there. They were facing the cross over Lord Jesus Christ, and we're all going to have to do that. We're going to be facing Leviathan. We're going to be fighting a cosmic but, battle. But they were he, facing the crescent. Yes, which wanted to kill him. Which wanted to kill him. That's right. And and you know and and, and the crescent. You know, I mean, I you know, I, again, I I told you, I say this all the time. I'd much rather see a Mohammedan running up my coming up my street, a jihadist, <laughs> you know, and, and lock and load, right? But then to see see the state coming up my road. That's well, at least you know you know what the Mohammedans all about. That's right. But the state and you know, that CPS or something else that is our real threat. That's what Catholics have to worry about, not Mohammedans. We have to worry about the state, which is much more evil than Mohammedans. Okay, it is. And and by the way, as a side note, there are still Islamic warriors. There are no Christian warriors anymore. There are no Catholic warriors anymore. Think about that. We've been emasculated, and that's what and I and and. Vast majority of that can be attributed to the hierarchy of the church, the bureaucracy there, who emasculated Catholic manhood started way back in the Middle Ages. And we've come to the point now where it's totally emasculated. And these priests and these bishops still want to run the church. And they're running into the ground. Don't allow it to happen, Catholic men. You take responsibility. But let me say something. You're facing the cross. You're facing crucifixion. You're facing overwhelming odds. Annihilation. That's where we are, Okay. They can blow you. I don't care how hard you train. I don't care what a good shot you are. They can blow you out of existence with, with just a push of a button. So this is where we are. It's, it's hopeless. But we embrace the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not afraid of annihilation. And, but I tell you what, man, I'm shaking in my boots. <laughs> and I tell you what. So what do I do? Yes, I'm a mama's boy. And just like the Lord Jesus Christ, when I go that way, that cross, I want the Blessed Mother right there. And she's going to hold me. She's going to comfort me. She's going to give me courage. And I, I'm dead serious about that. If you don't understand that love for that mother, you go to her. My mother, my confidence. Blessed mother, please help me embrace that cross. Give me your heart. Because we are weak men. We are scared men. We are weak and foolish. Recognize that, gentlemen. And embrace her. If you say yes to your weakness, because if you fight this cosmic battle, you are going to feel so inadequate, so emasculated, so afraid. But you do what you do anyway for love of Christ, crucified for love of your faith and family. Be not afraid of annihilation, for that will give you life in Christ. Well, I would say to all this, and we're just about out of time now, but I would say to all this uh, thrilling conversation here today, uh, there are some that are trying to revive um, uh, and uh, even trying to step into breaches to revive this masculine, this Christian masculinity. 
Um, now, even if it's rhetorical for now, you got to start somewhere. Um, but back, we try to back the rhetoric up with, it's not just oratory, try to back it up with labors. All right, well, what am I going to do in my house? Well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm going to command. I'm going to take lead. I'm going to consult uh, God on everything. Ask for the grace to get it right and uh, to be that saint that He created you to be. Right, and leading your family. Um, uh, and if you do that, and as Doc said, if you have a healthy, uh, almost said respect. Respect's not the word. Uh, veneration, admiration, uh, love, maternal love. For the blessed, for, uh, for the mother of the redeemer, uh, this goes a long way. If I had to tell, if I had to tell men one thing, it would not be to get a schedule of cold showers, bad right. diets, uh, bad diets, <laughs> and all these other things. I did Exodus ninety. It's right. prayer rosary right. every day. Right. But you turn your eyes towards your blessed mother and then you say, Mother, I'm unworthy of the task. I can't do it on my own. Will you please yes. help me? Will yes. you be my advocata nostra? You are our advocate, right? Um, my personal experience is she is never, the memorari prayer is correct, Dr. Dilsaver. Never was it known that anyone who fled to her protection, implored her help, or sought her intercession was left unaided. That's really all you need to know. Blessed be God. Blessed be God. And that means, so that's so what you're saying is, you recognize, don't be afraid of you. All those are the programs, the Exodus 90, and it's all good for at a certain point. But ultimately, you're going to recognize how weak and foolish you are, how inadequate you are, how unmanned you are, how unable you are to accomplish this task. And you go in your wretchedness, mourning and weeping in the veil of tears, you say, Mother, help me. When you're a little, love of a mother is the deepest love a person has. True. You know, what's the greatest comfort you have as a child when you're sick? Mom, you know, what can she do? You know, but she's just there. <laughs> you don't go, right? Dad. No, <laughs> Dad, no. nurse me back to health. <laughs> no, just be there, Mom, and touch me. And and, and blessed be God. And, and St. John Vianney, and, and talk about our real mothers, and our devotion to our real mothers, as John Vianney said, if you never think about your mother and, and our, our mothers, and maybe God rest their souls. If that's the case, but you should never think of them without a tear in your eye. Okay, that's where it is, and that's where men do not be afraid to cry. Men do not be afraid to be afraid. Men do not be afraid to feel how wretched you are. And if you accomplish this task, you will. If you engage in this task, you will get in trouble. You will be ex ex rejected, not only by the state, but by the powers that be in the church herself. And I, and again, Mike, can you go to this this website where it's dillsaver.org. It's easy, dillsaver.org. It's got all the stuff right there. You can just click on it. It has a new Christendom on there. It has the new the books on there. It has my talks on there. And dillsaver.org, it's all in one package right there. Check it out. And again, these issues are controversial. They ruffle feathers. But I'm talking from a Catholic perspective. I'm saying I will challenge anybody. It's going to a deeper Catholicism. It's going beyond traditionalism. It's not rejecting anything. I'm not, and, and, and God forbid, you know, I, I, the mass, I'm just saying it's not about the mass. The mass is fine. Pope Francis, you're wrong. Why are you attacking the mass? Or but the Society of Pius X, the same thing. They want to make it an issue. They want to make that a point of contention. I will not do that. 
I would say, let's follow Christ crucified. If you're doing that, you're not going to have cloud masses. I guarantee you, you have true liturgical reform, which will be a purification so that we can see Christ crucified. What's good liturgy? And finally, the last thing we can talk about this next time, if you'd like, what's good liturgy? It's a liturgy that <clears throat> produces within the faithful, a broken spirit and contrite heart. That's how we become one with Christ crucified. Okay, with that, we'll wrap up this episode of uh, Crucial Christianity. Get the previous eight videos. They're all available for free. Don't cost nothing. Uh, CrusadeChannel.com. Your website, which I didn't know you had, is Dillsaver, D-I-L-S-A-V-E-R, Dillsaver.org. Soul Deep Science still works, doesn't it? Absolutely. Okay. Dillsaver.org. Remember, you can always contact Dr. Dillsaver personally. Uh, if you got a psychomoralytic problem you need some help with, he does Skype sessions. Uh, although, I would say that if I really needed it, if, if, if I thought I needed it, where you live, dude, I'm just going to the ranch, man. I'm just checking out yeah. for two weeks. <laughs> I'll see you guys in two weeks. I'm going to the ranch. I'm just going to the site. It's a beautiful right. part of Montana. So, um, Praise God. Praise God. That's right. And so, yeah, th thank you, Mike. And, and, you know, this and anybody that wants to talk about this again, you know, from from Aristotle to to the mass, I'm willing to talk to anybody anytime because if you have the issues, but read the book first and you show me. And but you notice what happened with you, too. You have someone there saying, Dr. Dilsey said the mass, you know, isn't important. I never said I, it's exactly the opposite of what I said. I said this is the greatest gift we have. What a blessing! But it's a, it's pure gift. That makes us even value it more. But you make a mockery of the Holy Mass. We make it all about the Mass. Jesus didn't mean to do that. He said, "No, it's about Christ crucified. It's about me and you embracing your cross and dying to yourself." Then you make it a mockery of the Mass when you make it all about the Mass. I'm a good Catholic because I go to Mass. No, you're not a good Catholic because you go to Mass. You go to Mass so you can be a good Catholic. I uh, I like you. Get the book, Crucial Christianity, at shop.mikechurch.com. All right, uh, Commander. Com Commander <laughs> What rank did you quit the, uh, did you leave the Marine Corps at? Uh, I, I was a lieutenant, but, uh, you know, for some, for some reason, they, they didn't, they, I, I didn't make general. But, um, but I was, I was enlisted too, and 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 I I uh, I think I was corporal. Now I think I busted out a lance corporal again. But I lance corporal, or affectionately called lance Cooley, I think that was my best rank, a lance Cooley. That was I like that one the best. So I think you know if there's at the Marine Corps hymn, the last verse says, "If the army and the navy ever look on heaven scenes, the streets should be guarded by United States Marines." Right. So that always brings a tear to my eye. That's the last verse of the Marine Corps hymn. And but I'll, I'll be guarding there as a lance corporal. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, uh, uh, Doctor uh, GC Dillsaver. Find him at dillsaver.org and souldeepscience.com. God bless you, brother. We'll talk soon. Thank you. All right, God bless you too. Thank you. All right, you're very welcome.